Welcome to the Ahsoka Podcast. We're the Lorehounds, your guides to a galaxy far, far away. I'm John. And I'm David. And this is our coverage of the Star Wars Disney Plus series, Ahsoka, Season 1, Episode 3, Time to Fly. Time for me to fly! Sorry, that's a little riff <laughs> That's there. all right. In this episode, we'll be doing an arc-by-arc breakdown of the episode and uh, answering listener feedback, including another great voicemail from Alicia with some cool insights about who Maroc might be. If you've got feedback, you can email us to starwars@thelorehounds.com or head over to our website and either use the contact form or the voicemail feature. And we got tons of feedback for this episode, so excited to dig into all of that. There might be more of a feedback section than a breakdown section in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, this, yeah, it might yeah. be that way. That's yep. cool, though, right? Because we're we're a voice. We are a voice to our people. Truly, truly. The same way Ezra broadcasts his message to the universe. All right, Rebels, <laughs> Rebels stuff. We'll leave it on the cutting room. Uh, you can also chat with us on our Discord server. We have a special channel all set up for just Ahsoka, as well as a general Star Wars channel. We have a fun and welcoming community, and we look forward to chatting with you there. Links for feedback and the Discord server are in the show notes. And, you know, if it works for you, maybe consider subscribing to our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. You can get early access, ad-free access to all of our podcasts and a ton of other exclusive benefits. We've got a lot going on this month with Foundation and... Ahsoka and Wheel of Time. And, uh, you know, if you want to help us keep the bits flowing, you know, maybe uh, check us out. If you don't mind ad, so you can always find us on all the major podcasting platforms as well as Spotify and YouTube. We have a dedicated Star Wars feed set up called, you know, Ahsoka, a Lorehounds podcast. So if you're only interested in Star Wars content, you can subscribe to just that. Or You can join us on all all the other nerdy stuff that we cover on our main feed, where we publish everything. Uh, Search for the Lorehounds and subscribe today. Also, uh, our last ask, sorry to ask so many things, but, you know, maybe take a moment and give us a rating and a review. Uh, Ratings and reviews help our visibility, and the more people that listen, the better able we are to produce all the different projects that we've got going on. This is a general purpose spoiler warning. We're going to talk about all of Star Wars, everything that's published right now, whether it's in the animated series or the live action series, books that are canon, uh, even maybe some legend stuff. So we're, we're going to spoil things if you if you are not vigilant. But I think for most fans, they want that kind of extra layer of where things are cross-referenced in the shows. So uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Yep. Sounds good. And and just a reminder, too, we're still young in the ways of the Star Wars lore. We're building it every we're podcast. We're still with Yang. Yes, exactly. And so if there's something we miss or we get wrong, please let us know. Drop us an email. Hit us up on the Discord. Tweet at us or X at us. What, what do you call it? X? I, I don't know. I'm not know. doing that. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway. Feel free to you know let us know if if we've got something wrong or for something incomplete. Uh, we like it all, and we've got some really again, as I said before, we've got some great feedback that adds extra layers of our knowledge. John, this seemed like a episode of Ahsoka that's got people either having fun eating cereal or they're a little hot and bothered by what went down. Where are you at? Yeah, you people were this? fighting. People were. I mean, they were. Know, they were kung fu peacefully. Fighting. 
But yeah, um, yeah, they were. I think people were just kind of on opposite sides of the spectrum, depending on what you wanted out of this. I think it's if you a, were going really, in this, yeah, people yeah, just kind of yeah. went to their corners, and it was like, well, where's the middle ground? I was actually kind of middle, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I liked it. I didn't love it. The first two episodes were better, yeah, but it it was still enjoyable. Again, it was kind of like. It was kind of like a Saturday morning cartoon where like the plot was not that <laughs> important not in this episode. You could probably skip this episode and start the next episode with them on the planet and you wouldn't have missed anything. Not really. It would anything. have just been fine. I think the only thing would have been the exposition about the Purgles. Is that even exposition or did they just name drop them? The, no, uh, Hu Yang um, yeah, I uh, guess, connected, I guess. The, connected the galaxies, you know, connected the dots between the galaxies and the Purgles. Hey, remember so. when we saw them with Ezra? Whoa. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then Hu Yang saying, oh, yeah, they were, you know, there's stuff about these things in different galaxies. So. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you were more bothered by certain things than I was. One I, thing. There Just was nothing thing. there. Honestly, there was nothing in this episode that made me go, "Ugh," you know, like I, I did see some of that going around where people were like actually like angry about the the space battle and things like that. And I right. was fine with it. Like it wasn't, it was not the best thing I ever watched, but it, it looked pretty cool. It was fun. And that's kind of what I want out of the show. Sometimes I do want a deeper plot, but I think we're getting that. I think this is just a stepping stone to more of that. Right. So David. Yes, sir. What did you think now? Well, I filled up my bathtub with cereal, poured a, <laughs> several gallons of milk in there and just nice, started nice. eating away while we were watching. Yeah. You know, the, I, even the one scene that I rolled my eyes at, it didn't make me not like the show. I still had fun and I, and I still, you know, uh, enjoyed the experience of watching it. And on my second watch doing my notes, actually there, I detected a bunch of interesting, deeper stuff going on with Ahsoka and Sabine's relationship and some of the stuff that's happening there. So I think there's something uh rich there but it's getting a little bit lost and whether that's the filmmaker's fault or if you know if people are just if this is just a property that's just reactive you know people are just going to react to it i, oh, I yeah. don't know i mean there's something about star wars that makes people hot in their takes that's right <laughs> uh it was interesting i did a little bit of math on the episode and it's really right in that 30 minute runtime when you clip yes. off all of the intros and the all the extra stuff uh it was right around 30 minutes so i'm, I'm wondering if that's going to be our average now for these episodes so yeah good you know question. the first two were an hour long and this was just uh, this was like hard out 30 minutes and it did feel too short I think this show mm. does better with a longer runtime because it has these character moments that we want to linger on a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the the first two episodes didn't feel long to me and I watched them back to back. Right. No, so I did not I, feel I, long. I don't think, yeah. I don't think yeah. they needed to cut it down to 30. I want, I hope that they're closer to the first two, honestly, going right. forward, because I think the show works better with that. It's not Mando. A little it's bit of somewhere. Room. It's somewhere in between Mando and Andor, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Mandor. Yes, as you said last episode right. or previous episodes. The Mandalorian, I, I, yeah. I I have to say that uh, Hu Yang is and David Tennant are delivering some great humor. The gags, the little gags about Jedi Protocol, like that ran and ran. And then it was like, oh, well, yeah, that was kind of cute. And, yeah. you know, it 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 paid off. Um, I posted a picture of me and Hu Yang with uh, oh, did Mrs. You? Lorehound in nice. the patron channel of our Discord. Oh, I missed that this afternoon. I had a busy day. So, yeah, I'll have to check that out. 
it's it's very exciting. I did meet David Tennant, who played Hu Yang, Excellent. back in the day at a convention. That's why I I'm joking about him. He didn't even I don't know. He might have played Hu Yang before because he was in the Clone Wars too. I don't mm. know. So, and I, you know, I'm wondering too about the pacing of this uh, episode. A lot of, uh, I've saw some comments about people struggling with the pacing or whatnot. And I, I go with Jean, our uh, co-host on the MCU podcast saying, you know, I, you know, his theory was that they're going to slowly turn the dial up over the episodes and we're going to get a little bit faster and things are going to yeah. get a little bit more intense. And I'm fine with that if that's the way it goes. I, I guess my, my one quibble with that would be, mm-hmm. We started off at a higher temperature than we had this episode. You think so? I think so. I don't. I did not okay. feel. I knew they weren't going to die. <laughs> Come on, right. that's yeah. not real drama, right? No, it's true. And it was just, yeah. Where, what did we get out of this plot? Uh, we learned about some pergles. We we got some character development with Ahsoka and Sabine. We're not. We're just under halfway, and are we far enough? I don't know. We'll see. Like if they're right. if they're going to pick up the pace for these things, right? Um, I will say a couple of things that I'm besides Hu Yang and David Tennant's performance, which is great. I'm loving the different styles of music that we're getting in this. I okay. like that we're moving away all power to John Williams, but I'm also mo- glad we're moving away from the orchestral. I get it big symphony sounds and then we're we're choosing sounds that are appropriate for our characters and our stories and so some of the inspirations for their music they're drawing it just it fits for me and i i really like hearing different stuff yeah um and then my i watched uh my my spouse and i watched together and i asked her afterwards you know did you have any questions were you confused by the plot or anything and she is not at all. She has not watched any of Rebels. You know, she's watched the movies. She enjoys Mandalorian, very surface level, just sort of, oh, you know, I'll watch, you know, it's something fun for us to watch together. Right, and right. She enjoys it. She's in her in her pajamas with Syria. Yeah, exactly. And she was not confused or lost. She doesn't she doesn't know anything about Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was fine with this episode. She's been fine with the season so far. She so that what that's telling me is that they're dropping enough exposition, structuring things just enough so that if you're cold to all of the other properties and stories and characters they're feeding enough that you can make your way through this without a problem right so at least that's a one person sample of my opinion of you know of what might be going on so uh, yeah i think they're they're delivering it cuz they have to right they've yes. got to be able to deliver to people who are who are not regular not deep dive fans yep agreed so, well, speaking of deep dives, I think it's time to get into the episode. Yeah. couple of quick callbacks um, regarding Balin Skull and Shin Hattie, the two gray Jedis that we have here. Um, Marilyn sent in some more data for us to consider. And um, Skull, uh, I guess, translates into Old Norse to be one who mocks. Okay. And Hattie is one who hates. Ooh. So that's some interesting stuff. You know, who knows if they're, you know, uh, going into it uh, th- to that level. But I thought that was sort of fun. And depending on who you talk to and what sources you you consider, it's not clear which wolf. Remember, the the two wolves, Skull and Hattie, are, are chasing the soul, the sun, and Manny, the moon. And when they catch them, it brings about the mm-hmm. end of everything, Ragnarok. Right. And so who's chasing whom, 
you know, who's which wolf is chasing the sun, which chases the moon. It's like a debatable thing within, you know, North mythology. What uh, an interesting piece of uh, information was that short, shortly before the sun gets swallowed by whatever wolf catches it, it gives birth to a new sun, not unlike a tree we might know who uh, gives birth uh-huh. to another object. And so um, apparently in relative to Christian history, religious Christian history, this is where it's possible, what's made mythologically possible for people who are Christians who would be able to copy down these um, legends in the Middle Ages to say that, well, Ragnarok happened, but it's all cool because we have this other son that, you know, is this this Christian son and, and we can move on from that. So, okay. Interesting, Interesting little mythological tendrils there. Mm, I like and, it. Yeah. I like it. I mean, it could be as simple as these are two beings who will bring Thrawn back, right? And bring about right. the apocalypse of the New Republic. Fine. Fine. That that would be fine with me. Um, but I wonder if there's going to be something deeper than that. Like they each have a different target. And it's kind of fun to have a little bit of mythology mixed in with our Star Wars, right? Because that's what start, part of roots, the roots of right. Star Wars is, is right. all that. Right. Uh, I wanted to touch base really quickly on the Lucasfilm intro, you know, with all the droids. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, in episode one, it was all red reflected light, where normally it's a red and blue mixing light. You know, it flashes between the different characters. And so in episode one, it was all red. But then in episode two and then three, they they go back to the normal, you know, blue light, red light, blue light, red light kind of thing, depending on the character. Okay. And at least for episode three, this is the lineup we had. We have Darth Vader, C-3PO, a clone trooper, possibly Rex. We don't know. Uh, H- an HK assassin droid, Marok, Hu Yang, a stormtrooper, Chopper, and then a Night Owl style helmet, which we can assume might be Sabine. Yeah, I think that's Sabine. Yep. Yeah. So very cool that a uh, clone trooper is in there and Maroc is in there. So we've got some. If I don't get Rex, I swear (laughs) to God, there will be hell to pay. We've got to, it's got to happen soon because we're, you know, we we don't want him dropping in at the very end. We want at least a couple, two, three episodes with him, right? I know. So I know. All right. Well, we'll see. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So episode breakdown, uh, we, you know, sometimes we do a full breakdown. We often do. 
and on this show, we were thinking about how to cover it because, quite honestly, not every scene needs to be talked about here. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, this was a very popcorny episode, which is fine. But I think it's less interesting to talk about it in scene by scene rather than talk about it as far as major storyline. So we broke this up into four parts and we're going to talk about each sort of arc as we go. And we, we might change this as we go through the season. We're going to talk about every episode the way it works. So we will keep updating our approach as we go. The first arc is, of course, the training arc where we have Hu Yang training with Sabine, testing her accuracy and ability to wield this uh, this fake lightsaber. And then you have Ahsoka come in and give Hu Yang a little bit of shit for being mean to Ahsoka. <laughs> then she takes over the training. Sabine kind of almost gets it for a minute, but then she falls down out of anger and frustration. They keep doing that and doing that. And finally, they have a coffee cup trial. So, yeah, that's that's basically this whole section. David, give me your thoughts on it. Well, this was my favorite part of the episode. Uh, and then and they broke. There was a little break in the action and then they we come back to it. So everything that had to do with Ahsoka and Sabine interacting and talking about her training and her development, uh, it was really good. And I really actually really liked the very beginning with Hu Yang. We get to see what the heck his yeah, back yeah. is made up of there. And I like these training lightsaber things that he had to measure her cuts and her angles and things. Yeah. Uh, I thought that that was a really cool. I, I don't, in my Star Wars experience, I have not seen that before. No, me either. And I and, think uh, he's making sure that she can fight General Grievous. <laughs> very, very, <laughs> fair enough. Um, a couple of interesting Things. Well, I've got a whole bunch of notes. I got a whole list of notes here, and we can we can work them as we go. I thought this was the richest part of the the episode. Definitely. Besides the Hera stuff, um, is I think the next richest stuff. The space battle and the landing. You know, those are all pretty straightforward. Um, but I've got a good deal of notes here. One of the things I thought was interesting, and it'd be interesting to to hear some of your takes on, is. This training scene while they're in hyperspace mm -hmm. really goes back into Obi-Wan training Luke on the yep. Falcon. Absolutely. On their way to as Alderaan. soon as he as soon as um Ahsoka handed Sabine that helmet, I went, All right, we got uh, the, the thing up. Where's Han <laughs> exactly. going to say, you know, it doesn't really work like that? You know, you know, his grumbling right, yeah. about the force and not being real or whatever it is. And I thought this whole way that they went ar around this training, it, it really goes back to some of the roots that Lucas has with Star Wars and in part of his inspiration of the Kira Kurosawa films and uh, the samurai culture and feudal Japan. And um, so like the sword she's using, the wooden swords that they're using, they're Boken swords. They're traditional wooden oak swords that you use to train in Kenjutsu, okay. which is, you know, how you train for, you know, what we understand is this Japanese sword fighting. So, right. um, and, and then when Sabine says uh, the uh, Zatochi method, if I'm pronouncing mm -hmm. that right, I just threw uh, Zatochi into the Google and it came back that 
there is a Japanese fictional character who is a oh. blind swords master who has and who is like 26 films, uh, not him, but the story character has like 26 films, which is a huge run of, of films uh, in, you know, old black and white uh, films about this, this master swordsman who was blind. Right. And what cool. do they do? They, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. They put this helmet on, on Sabine, right. To, to practice blind. So you know, just fun, nerdy stuff like that and reaching into the roots. Uh, I, I think they're really trying yeah. to pay attention to something here. Not to mention Sabine's first trainer in the lightsaber arts was blind, was Kanan. Right. Okay. That's right. So a little callback to him. Yep. Um, loved all the little tools that were on the wall, like the little panels that were open. Uh, there was lightsabers and those little, I forget what they're called, the little training ball that... Luke uh, fought against on the Millennium yeah, Falcon. Yeah, yeah, uh, Training yeah. Training droid or something like that. Yeah, yeah helmets and, and all that kind of stuff. So that was fun. Um, I didn't catch what language Hu Yang was counting in. It seemed like I heard some Korean in there. Because okay. I, I used to study some Korean martial arts a long time oh. ago, but, but I couldn't plug you know getting the number i'm sure it was some kind of fusion of real languages to make a star warsy language yeah do you think natasha uh bordizzo trained with an actual visor that she could not see out of when at least in some of these scenes Mm, i i'm sure she could see out of it okay I think I think she could see out of it. Why would they have that safety hazard? I, I think they try to do that, and the safety coordinator comes in and goes, "No, no, <laughs> shut it down." Maybe just a thin uh, uh, yeah. mesh in there so that she can kind of not see. I don't know. She her physicality in this was great. I really appreciated. No, we're so used to the VS, VFX and the blasters and you know wire stunts and stuff, and this literally was just a woman carrying a, a wooden practice sword, doing actual martial arts kata style movement stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And it was great. I really enjoyed it. It was really refreshing. And I thought it was really interesting. It was. It, it, I always like seeing more of the Jedi training montage, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's something that we really don't even see a lot of even through Anakin's plot lines. Yeah, and... Uh, this opens up this whole question. There's a couple of things that I was thinking about today. There's the whole force, non-force user thing and and this comment about being a non-traditional Jedi. But then there's also this interesting question, which I saw some conversation on uh, uh, the Discord. You know, Sabine's already an accomplished warrior. She is a war she hero. Is. Yeah. So what is she developing? What does she need training for? She's crap with the force. But at some point, um, uh, Ahsoka says, those skills alone will not be enough to defeat our enemy. And so there's this idea that Sabine, who's still just a kid and who a kid who survived a war <laughs> and a, tra- mm-hmm. you know, a lot of trauma, she still has to develop her mind. Right. She still has to develop her focus and that's another line, which is training and focus are what truly defines someone's success. So you know, can I can I just ask, please, where is Luke Skywalker in this? You have these terrible enemies that are lightsaber wielding force using. Clearly, they are a formidable enemy to face. And you know that there was this heroic new Jedi that is flying around the universe 
and you knew his dad too, so he got an in. And <laughs> you don't just go up to him and go, "Hey, buddy, you know how you just helped defeat the empire? Well, if we don't stop this other guy, it's going to come back." I think Luke goes with you. I don't. Right. I don't see a world where he doesn't go with you. Right. So no, I got to go build it, a school. <laughs> it does. It does strain, strain credulity a little bit that she wouldn't at least appeal to Luke. Right. I guess the argument people would make is maybe she doesn't know Luke yet, but I think it's five years after the empire fell. You really going to tell me that people don't all across the galaxy know who Luke Skywalker is mm, or we, a, we know he's a legend, a Jedi who trained under his father. Right. Didn't <laughs> hear like, know. Oh, that's crazy. His son is around and he's, and he <laughs> saved the galaxy. <laughs> He blew up two Death Stars. Like, wow! That's not to wild, mention, man. not to mention. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm going to talk about the Death Star later. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to hold myself back for a minute. But it's just it 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 does strain credulity a little bit to be like, okay, she either doesn't know who he is or she doesn't want to approach him. But it's it's a little strange. It's a little strange. I guess the best argument I can make for it is on a character motivation standpoint, she might want to give Sabine the opportunity to save her friend. Okay. But at the same time, okay, then bring a third person. Is there a cap on how many people can go on a Jedi mission? I just don't understand this logic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, they did ask the new Republic for help, but you know, they, yeah, that's they, true. Were, uh, they were on their way and they, and they got denied, but yeah, there is a there is a question I think about why aren't you pulling in your most powerful? You know, yeah. if Thrawn is as as dangerous as you suspect him to be, then you know, because the Thrawn books, the original Thrawn trilogy, right, that was heir to the Empire, it's all about Luke, Han, and Leia fighting off Thrawn and the and the remnants of the Empire. But then those have been shoved aside, right? Those they are have legend, yeah. They have. So the question is, will they bring it back? Because there's this whole debate, and I mean, from a production standpoint, I absolutely see why they don't bring Luke in. Because now there's this whole debate of, do yes. you recast Luke Skywalker, <laughs> or do you continue with this weird <laughs> CGI, CGI, DAG, yeah. yeah, weird stuff. So yeah, yeah. Which I, I honestly want them to recast him. I think that it's time. You know, if, you, okay. if you're going to tell stories about Luke Skywalker, it needs to be played by a real actor. Ooh, it's tough because Mark Hamill is such a uh, he has his own look. Like I can't he think does. of any other have, actor. Have you seen, seen his double for uh, Book of Boba Fett though? No, because if you look up Graham Hamilton who played Luke in, in Book of Boba Fett, just they put Mark Hamill's face on him. He does really look like Mark Hamill, like a lot. Uh -huh. Um, I, I wonder how much of the voice is Mark Hamill and how much is him, but right. if he can get the vibe of Luke, right, I would be okay with the voice being a little bit different. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause it, it, that, that question touches on, on some of the stuff that's going on with the strike and the studios and right. being able to right. digitally create actors and things Which like that. Which I do this, not so. love. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah. That's why I just think, you know, Mark Hamill did a great job as Luke and now his, his Acting career has moved on from that, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he cannot portray a 20-year-old guy anymore, no. <laughs> which is no. fine. Like, let's right. hire another up-and-coming 25-year-old right. actor who really can nail this Luke job. He's not the only one in the world who can play Luke Skywalker, even if he might be the best one. Well, and give them, give that person the support and the training and the access. Um, right. And Bring Mark Hamill in. Have exactly. him Exactly. And, and watch all the tapes, grind tape and, you know, uh, 
all that stuff. And you could, you could do a really good job. Yeah. We recast Matt in the wheel of time, right? Like recastings right. happen all the time. It does. And this is as good a reason as I've ever had. We are way down the rabbit hole on this now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's pivot slightly and talk about force users versus non-force users really quick. Okay. Um, so I had it stuck in my head that Han Solo's luck, his ability, you know, he had skill, no question, but he also had amazing luck. And then that was a manifestation of the force around him, even though he wasn't in touchy feely with the force, the uh -huh. force was still moving through him or, you know, and around him. That may yeah, be wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Um, That's what's I, in my I don't head. know of any support for this, but it could okay. be. I don't I just don't know about it. That's that's always maybe it's just headcanon that that maybe you know he was just, you know, his ability to pull off these crazy stunts was just because the force was around him. He just didn't have the ability to uh um uh tap into it, you right. know, like well, maybe like somebody will write in for us. Yeah, that that would yeah. be interesting. Um and I loved Hu Yang's comment, like, oh, yeah, you're a non you know, uh, Sabine fits in in this non traditional model of Jedi. Talk about a backhanded compliment. Well, you but, got Ahsoka, Anakin, that's all, you got plenty of people in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it just goes, to, I think, this, this idea that um, what is Hera training for to be a Jedi? No. Do you need to? to be able to pull a coffee cup across the table or a cup of tea across the table with force powers? Or can you train your mind and, and using Jedi techniques to put you as close as you can to the force, which is going to put you above right. most anybody else. Right. Yeah. Right? I think she's saying, you know, anybody could do the basics. Right. Which is, is something that I think is new, but I also think that when Hu Yang is saying, you know, non-traditional line of Jedi, he might be referring to the fact that there aren't that many Tegruda, Tegruda uh, Jedi. <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> but that's just, me. that's just, I'm kind of making that up. You got me there. Uh, it's true. Well, he, and he says, yeah, and not many Mandalorians either. Right, um, right. And then there's this quote that he dropped, standards which were proven over a millennium, but then I loved Ahsoka's retort here. And failed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah, get him. <laughs> I love when people call out the Jedi on their shit. Mace Windu, take that. That's right. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, and it was interesting, too, because all of this conversation around the Force and and these these conversations with Hu Yang and, and between Ahsoka and, and Sabine, it's, it's all this stuff about, I think, Filoni trying to comb through some of the tangle and clarify different issues around the force and integrate some new ideas. But I also feel like they're setting up for storylines that can occur in earlier timelines and later timelines. And that it's not just right. this Jedi right. dominated thing, but there's, there's more around it. Even Hu Yang saying, well, these were proven over a millennium. Oh, really? Oh, your father fought in the clone wars. Oh, really? It's like, oh, you're going to drop this little throwaway line and now yeah. suddenly I'm interested in the Knights of the Old Republic or something like that, right? Well, like, they did, yeah. Like I think you were sharing the this new timeline that they're they're spreading around. And, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of debate right now over whether they're going to bring in the Knights of the, Rep the Old Republic games into canon. And we got... Because they don't conflict. Right, right. Because they're so far away. 
You can absolutely two, just say these two games are canon. These are these work, and we got two really good emails that go into some of the uh, Knights of the Old Republic stuff. So yeah, it's. It, I mean, I haven't played more than like a couple hours of Knights of the Old Republic because I came to it like a year ago, uh-huh. and I went, "Oh my god, this is dated in gameplay," and I just can't right. do it right now. <laughs> um, but especially Starfield is coming out tonight. How am I going to compete with that? Ooh, uh, Starfield is this is this a new game? Oh, it's oh, it's so it looks so good. I can't wait to play it. Okay. Um, but it's it's uh, essentially an RPG. It's it's Star Wars meets the Expanse meets like like you could do anything in it. It's by okay. the makers of Skyrim. Okay. Oh, yeah. well, that's it's like a heavy. big RPG, but it's their first new IP in 25 years. Okay. They've been working on it for 10 years. So me and John, I know, are very hyped for it. Looking like some some dope ships in there. Is it going to eclipse uh, Baldur's Gate three? It's a different vibe. It's a different vibe. This is like okay. a single player. You right. play through yourself and you just go exploring. I think Baldur's Gate is. I want to play D and want to. I want to mess around. And right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is a yeah a game. Okay. Interesting. Uh, this this might pique my interest. Fun times. All right. Um, I think we should probably move on to the Hera scene. We should. And uh, in that scene, we have a great time with uh, Mon Mothma, who uh, boy, what a pleasure to see her. Every time I was so happy to see Genevieve O'Reilly. Yeah, she's great. And it was nice to see her. It was a shame that she brought with her uh, Siono. I think that's how we're saying this. Right. And yeah. uh, he was, he was a little bit mean. Yeah, a little he, bit. Was, he, he was a little bit mean to everybody. He was, a little bit. you know, I got to say, if you are finding yourself mocking a war hero, you're probably <laughs> not the good guy in the conversation. <laughs> The guy, you know, mocking someone who literally put you in the position that you are because you would have been still living under the empire without a Senate. Uh, it's a, it's not a good look. Yeah. Well, <laughs> nor was it a good look for uh, Hera to call this guy out. And then not only did she call him out, but then she dumped a bucket of water on his head by with her second yeah. comment. Oh, you just sat around and did nothing and waited to see what happened. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's delivery was ice cold when she yes. delivered these lines. It was so good. I, you know, this actually inspired me to put my favorite movie with her on my next millennial madness. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. So that will be part of that. And it's Scott Pilgrim versus the world. If you're oh, that's a good audience. movie. I do like yeah. that movie. Oh, so. you've seen that. I have a okay. few times. Well, we might watch times. it anyway. Cause I just like it a lot. Right. Uh, but good. yeah, she's Ramona flowers in that. And she's okay. very sassy in that. And she's very sassy in this. And I think this was the first episode where she got to act a little more because the first yes. two, it felt like she was delivering a lot of flat lines just cause that's what the dialogue was. She right. was being the general. And this was the first time that they kind of goaded her into emoting. Right. And she's got a point of view that she's arguing for. She's trying to get something done and she's got to work around these political right. icebergs and uh, sort of awkward situations. So, right. Um, I thought it was interesting that Mon Motha, um, not, well, first of all, she wasn't very happy when Hera was calling out Siono. No, no. Because, she's, well, because it, it, it's legitimacy, right? Like you don't want a general calling out a senator. It's not a good look. Right. It's not a good look, but at the same time, she wasn't wrong because she didn't jump right. up and Mon Motha didn't jump up and defend him. So, right. <laughs> um, but then that Mon Mothma knows Jason and Chopper. I thought that was an interesting thing. She and said, Chopper. You know, Chopper, <laughs> the way she uh, says Chopper is very funny. Well, I, I don't bet know why he's she's off not... causing havoc with <laughs> yes. Chopper. Chopper. 
I don't know why she's not prosecuting Chopper for his war crimes, <laughs> but that's another story. All's all's well as long as it ends in rebellion. That's right. I I don't know about you. Okay, so so maybe I lied. There's actually two things that bothered me in this episode. The second one, which I'm just blot, blotting out of my brain, and I'm only bringing it up now because I remembered, is Jason. To it, I just don't need him. I just don't. Me personally, I don't I, need. I him think for it's fine. Line. Well, uh, yeah. if if Ahsoka needs a uh, <laughs> a Padawan, <laughs> guess who's probably strong on the Force? Probably he's got a few of those midichlorians from uh, from Ponytail Dad. I uh, think Jason with the same spelling was one of the names <laughs> of the solo. No, it's G J A C E N C E N. I know. So I saw. I that think in that the- that is um, the same first name that they gave one of Han and Leia's kid. Okay. Kids in the in the legends. Oh, interesting. All right. Yeah. So they're they're pulling from that too. I think they're they're doing a bunch of homages. And if I'm wrong, please write in because. Right. Uh, but I did go on Wikipedia for something else, uh, which was uh, Senator. It's not a, it's not a Star Wars uh, episode unless we have a Wikipedia <laughs> look up or two. Because I was like, he's probably from something else. This means senator, gotta be, and he yeah. was okay. And uh, but it's not something I've seen. It's he's from the show um, Resistance. Okay, which I haven't is, watched that one. It's I've heard mixed things, and I don't know if you really need to watch it. But now apparently they're pulling from it. So he is the father. He's still a senator in Resistance. He's the father of uh, one of the crew of the Resistance named Kaz. And he is very anti-resistance. He's like, this is going to get everyone killed and you're causing problems here. So he's he hasn't learned much by the time of the resistance show. Okay. What was most interesting to me, though, is that his planet is Hosnian Prime, which is the uh, the the home of the Galactic Senate. And then is the planet that the First Order destroys with Starkiller base in the force awakens. Okay. So his planet is the one that gets blasted by star killer base. In that movie. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. So uh, no, didn't, didn't exactly pay off this whole like passive no. yeah. campaign. So I'm looking at some, uh, Google searches of, of star Wars resistance. It looks like a very, it reminds me of mid eighties, uh, Japanese animation, like it's cell shaded, which was a style okay. for a while. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's got that vibe to it. Uh, so interesting, but doesn't, yeah. I wonder how much they're p- going to pull from that. Interesting though. That's a, that's, it's a good yeah. poll. I mean, I think, I think the most interesting thing is that he, he is from the planet that is going to be destroyed by right. this rise of the empire that he's fighting so hard that he's, that he's denying so hard rather. Speaking of the rise of the empire, we've got a great email from Brian 8063, which we'll get to later, but this whole thing, which we saw in Andor and we saw in, in uh, Mandalorian was that the new Republic is just seeded with um, ex Imperial uh, people at all levels. And that, that is just prime for a new Republic flip, right? That's just, you know, the, yeah, yeah. They're they're in there. They're ready to go, and then they just they get to a certain point of critical mass, and then they can take yeah. over. Well, exactly. So I think you know overall this this whole scene for me was just about setting the stakes and building up Thrawn and setting some more hooks for Ezra, um, and just getting us a little bit more vested into the story of of what's happening. Yeah, I think so, and and yeah. it it 
does a good job of isolating our people. You know, we need we need right. to be following the underdogs if right, we're doing right, Star right. Wars. It's just right. the way that this story works. I'm fine with that. They've set us up with that. Some great ship porn here at the beginning with the fleet. Some of the uh, Mon Calamari cruisers. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure if you freeze frame, there'd probably be a lot of Easter eggs in there. I did notice one of the Nebulon medical frigates in the background, which was the medical ship that you know Luke was on. So okay, um, that's yeah, cool. I'm sure. Sure, I'm sure some folks are deconstructing the entire, you know, every identifying every ship like train spotting, right? Just going through, right, right. So, the space battle. Now that we've gone yes. to this Denab system, so we've got this whole thing where we have to get so close to the Eye of Scion to scan it. <laughs> right. Fine, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, it's fine. It was fine. And then you you know you got the the chase and everybody's got the cockpit shots which always look fun. Yep. Then Ahsoka's ship gets shut down and she goes hold my beer. She gets in a space suit and she goes and deflects lasers, which I'm not sure if that makes sense. I would have rather seen something like what Luthen had in Andor where his ship was spinning with lightsabers. Right. Remember that whole thing? Yep. That was cool. that was very cool. Yeah, that blew yeah. us away like when they when they popped that one out. I mean, I didn't mind this that much. It didn't like take me out of it. I was like, all right, kind of silly, but you know, we're getting where we need to go. This is when I went and got my cereal. Okay. <laughs> Just started. I'm like, okay, Saturday morning, pajamas, let's go. Yeah. Uh, it was so World War II dogfight. You know, right. It just felt like right out of the, the, the movies, even with the turbo lasers when they were exploding near the ship. Not like a laser would carry on through space infinitely, but right. it would detonate and there was a puff of smoke. Well, maybe they're in the atmosphere. I don't know. It still was a cool visual effect. It was uh, fun. It, it, no matter how ridiculous it, it was. So Yeah. This idea that they just have to be near it to scan the ship. You can't see it. Like I <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> um It was it was a little weird to me, but it also does does Hu Yang just do that? Do all droids do all things? There's my question. Yeah, yeah. This is he's he's a a Jedi training droid, and he's a very Mister Spock. You know, very logical, following protocol. He's at the control. You know, very very old school Star Trek. So did enjoy um, Jedi protocol. Got to shut you down. You know. Yeah, (laughs) that was that's the one joke that that paid off really well with that that little gag. Yeah, like all right, fine. Uh, did you see the headband that Hattie was wearing? Okay. That, that little gold double band thing. That's what Anakin was wore when he was flying around in his little fighter. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. So that was a a direct reference. Is he Anakin's second cousin? Yeah. Uh, second cousin's dog walker from college who went, who had a shared a history one-on-one class, you know, with like 300 people. So what does that make them? Nothing. Right, <laughs> you know we, we've got to cover spaceballs. We got our, I, it's got to go Wars into film the film fest. fest. Yeah, it yeah. totally does. Yeah, uh, there was some interesting stuff here with the whole master apprentice training thing. Um, you know, one of the things that Sabine says is, "Oh, you got rid of my presets in the gunner chair," and Sabine was like, "Well, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't need them," and it points, I think, to Sabine and her style weapons master very body oriented not mind or spirit oriented yeah yeah but then hu yang gets wise and says yo ahsoka if you 
stop, if you don't stop acting the way you're acting towards her, we're going to get blown up. And, and there's a, there's a couple of moments. Like I, I was stopping the playback and writing my notes as we were, as I was watching the episode for the second time. And there's a lot actually going on here where uh, Ahsoka, you can see the thinking it's, it's lost in the action of the scene, you know, the, the, the dog fighting, uh-huh. but she actually goes through a little evolution of like, Oh yeah. Hu Yang's right here. I need to stop being master and apprentice. This is actually stuff that Sabine is good at. So what can I do as her partner in this dog fight to support her to get it done? And right. that's when we, we see the, the change. And I really liked this reversal, you know, as the master trains the apprentice, the apprentice also trains the master. Yep. Yep. You know, and so and, and I kind of relate it to parenthood a little bit. Um, not that I'm raising a Padawan, you know, Jedi, <laughs> but I've learned so much about myself and about human nature by watching my kid and then trying to understand and model and explain things. And so when you're confronted with somebody who has a different point of view or perspective or experience than you, you can learn from them as much as you're if you're in charge of their development or something. So I really appreciated Ahsoka's turn here and going, oh, let me check my ego. You know, Sabine's good at this stuff. Let me support her because she needs to, she's the one that's going to save our bacon right now. So Sabine, what can I do for you? And I thought that was really great. It was really interesting. It was. I like this a lot. And um, I also really liked the back and forth between uh, Shin and Morgan. I think that uh-huh. was really fun. Yes. <laughs> uh, they are They're gonna come not to happy blows. with each other. Yeah, I think no. that's probably likely. Yeah. I think that's probably likely. I mean, Morgan seems pretty straight evil. And Hottie feels to me like an ends means person. Uh-huh. Who I, I, I have a feeling based on the way they're presenting her that, and I think, you know, with the visuals they're signaling like Anakin, that she was kind of a lost kid that yeah, was right. picked up by the dark side. Just right. because, you know, out of necessity, basically, like I found a master who would feed me and teach mm-hmm. me how to survive on my own. And that's where I am now. Interesting. That's interesting. Uh, it'll it'll and as she engages and interacts and realize that maybe it's sort of a miseducation situation. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't want a complete flip, but I would like to see some, you know, you you have division on the good guys with Shiono right. and Mon Mothma and Hera now we need some division on the bad side. Right. You know, we need a Sauron Saruman situation where maybe like you it. have the same goal, but you want to do it for different reasons and in different ways. Cool. I like it. Let's keep an eye on that. Yep. Uh, quickly, let's just talk about the landing to the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have Hu Yang getting turned back on going, oh, I guess I fell asleep, buddies. Um, kind of silly. You missed silly, the purgles. You missed the he purgles did miss there. the purgles. Okay, yeah. So let's talk about the purgles because yeah. I mean, you you noted in the last scene. I know you didn't bring it up much, but uh, they masked Marok's voice. Yes, and I'm seeing this theory go around that Marok is Ezra. Yep. I would honestly not like that unless yep. they did it in some way that like surprised and delighted me. But I I can't foresee that happening. It just feels like we did the whole tempt Ezra with the dark side thing, and I really thought his character had a lot of growth throughout rebels and to see him then go fall back to the dark side would really be disappointing to me. I I would not enjoy that plot line. I really like seeing Ezra as Anakin. If he did it right. And if he had the support system he needed. 
But how did Ezra get back? Why doesn't he know about the Purgle? Like, there's so much that work they would have to do right. to well, the, put him into that suit. So, exactly. Yeah, it, it exactly. just strains. Okay, so maybe you really could argue that he, because he was like one with the animals. That was one of his things. You're right. Maybe you could argue he got the Purgles either through light side bonding or from dark side control to bring him back to this system. However, okay. that doesn't explain why he, they only took him. Right. You know, like, it just doesn't make sense. If he's really dark side, why would they need his help to go get Thrawn now? He could have just brought him back. I mean, I get the whole motivation of why it would be interesting to have uh, the the MacGuffin of this, uh, you know, one, one of two MacGuffins in this ep- uh, season to be in your face the whole time. And then you know, face, you know, remove the mask. Oh my God, it's Ezra, right? Like, okay, fun. Mm -hmm. I get it, right? That's a pretty standard little devicey thing, but it can be done well and and it can be surprising and fun. The work they would have to do to make that happen would just be... They don't have enough episodes for it. No. That's a multi-season arc. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, in Alicia's voicemail, she's got a whole breakdown of of some theories and some ideas. So I think we'll get into that more. Cool. So... Um, I'm glad we're done with the map. It looks like we're done with the map. Like the map thing is done. And I, we're just I like, think that's right. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that they, you know, they did a quick setup and payoff and then now we moved on and now we've got a big ship and what does that mean? And now we've got pergles. What does that mean? So yeah, I, I, I'm hoping for next episode for Ahsoka and Skull, Balin Skull to have their face off. I hope so. We got to see this guy fight at some point other than, oh, you know, slaughtering a, a deck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Let's, not a lot to say else on this scene, honestly, because not no. a lot happened in this episode. I mean, what, what are we going to talk about this episode for two hours? It was like 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So fair enough. Well, and we'll see where we go uh, next episode. Cool. All right. Feedback time. David. Can you lead us through? Yes. So first up, Marilyn wrote in regarding um, our one of our previous podcasts. Um, this was relating to the uh, Snips uh, preseason coverage that we mm-hmm. did regarding episode two. There's a character named Rook. And uh, I was scratching my head about the character. And Marilyn comments that she really thought Rook was a souped up golem. Certainly in his looks and his movement, he matches the the part quite well. The really scary part is that he, uh, it seems as though the Smeagol side has been completely disappeared and the Gollum side is very happy to serve his blue skinned, red eyed dark Lord. Do you suppose that Filoni had something like this in mind? So Rook was this, uh, you know, a little bit more, but he was, he was, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, ful- um, he, he's a, he's a, an underling of Thrawn. Right. And, I was told, I don't remember who, but somebody on our Discord clarified that this is a book character from the canon Thrawn trilogy, the newer okay. one, uh-huh. uh, which is also by uh, Timothy Zahn, who wrote the Heir to the Empire trilogy. When when they made his books non-canon, they say, hey, can you do it again, just in right. canon, which is <laughs> an interesting ask, but right. they did it. And uh, so he's from the Thrawn books, and I guess he's more fleshed out there. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, we've got uh, lore master Eric F., who wrote in using the Star Wars at the lorehounds.com email address. He wrote in two emails, actually, and I'm going to kind of integrate them together. Um, this one, uh, he starts off uh, real quick brag first, since you guys mentioned Revenge of the Sith. 
I actually won a radio trivia contest that awarded me two free VIP premiere tickets to see the movie six days prior to release. I got to meet Carol Channing, Jason Mewes, uh, Mark Hamill, coolest guy in the universe, and the man himself, George Lucas. Lucas hand-delivered the film himself at the premiere in Modesto, California, where he hails from. Cool. That's an awesome brag, Eric. That and is an awesome great. brag. Good David, have you. you ever seen – this reminded me since he's complimenting Mark Hamill. Um, did you ever see that clip of Adam Scott meeting Mark Hamill on I, a talk show? No, I don't think so. I have to send this to you because it's amazing because he's telling a story on uh, – or I guess it was brought up by his interviewer. I don't remember whose show he was on. Interviewer uh-huh. says, you know, I heard that you invited Mark Hamill to your 10th birthday party. And he didn't come. Is that right? He goes, oh, yeah, you know, I was 10. I was being silly. And all of a sudden, the Star Wars team pops on. Oh, no way. And Mark Hamill <laughs> comes out and hands him a lightsaber. That's awesome. And, and he's, like, shaking. He's so excited. <laughs> you got to watch this thing. It's amazing. Very cool. That's very cool. Uh, anyway, he continues. Uh, now to the subject of the email. Tamura Morrison is listed as Captain Rex in Ahsoka on IMDb. Take that for what it's worth. I'm not trusting it yet because right. IMDb is editable by the public. Is it? I, I've I never tried so. to. I okay. believe you can add cast as the public. Ooh, okay. So that's maybe somebody's wishful thinking. Yeah. So I'm, right. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till right. he's on screen. Right, but I appreciate enough. the heads up. The second email was uh, about the HK uh, assassin droids. The HK class of droids are not actually new to the Ahsoka series. The HK class was actually introduced in 2003 video game Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. The unit in that game was designated HK-47 and was built by Darth Riven. One funny thing about this droid is that it refers to organics not so flatteringly as meat bags. (laughs) Also, according to lore, the B-1 battle droids were built from repurposed HK-class droid parts. I don't remember if the Knights of the Old Republic video games are considered canon, but it seems that Filoni keeps bringing in the best Legends material into canon. Thanks for the contact, guys. Appreciate all your work. Um, I attend dialysis three days a week at four plus hours a session, and your audio help make that bearable eric i hope your health is doing well and i'm so glad that we get to ride co-pilot with you and uh and make your time a little less annoying and maybe a little bit more fun and enjoyable absolutely and you've got like six hours of content drive maybe more like eight hours of content dropping this friday so right i I hope that this will get through you through a couple sessions (laughs) (laughs) that's right bank it up a little bit john um any comments about hk assassin droids and knights of the old republic they they look cool so like i said i barely played this game i i started it i couldn't get into it because it's just dated it's 20 years old um they are remaking this game supposedly Uh so they announced that they were remaking it and then they canceled it under the studio they were working on it and gave it to another studio. But there's been no word on it. So it seems like it. we might just not get it. But we'll see. It does seem like there's a lot of interest in remaking this game in modern settings. Yeah, um, I can feel the I can feel the tremors in the force as we're as we're talking. Yeah. About yeah. So I guess the question is, is Disney going to say we're remaking this and we've listed the old Republic now in the canon timeline? Are we going to let this new remake be part of the new canon? 
Right. I hope so. It seems like I know the twists of it. I'm not going to spoil anything because I've heard that that's like the best part of the game is these twists. Um, In fact, people have said that it's the best video game twist of all time. Wow. So I I won't spoil anything, but I hope that they bring it in because it's a really cool story. Cool. All right. Next up is Renato T by email uh, at Star Wars at the Lorehounds. Um, The device that Sabine is using in episode two was a toy from the late 70s. I had this toy. It's called Fire Away by Tandy. Uh, See the one on the left. And he posts a picture and he actually posted the picture in our um, Discord as well. Uh, He says, glad to contribute. And uh, yeah, there's a picture that looks very much like the thing that's being had. Yeah. That's it was fun. a little mini Space Invaders game where you moved side to side and shot as the little alien creatures tried to come down on you. So That's it really wasn't fun even, that they did that. <laughs> not even 8-bit. I think it's, I don't even know what bit that was. That's no bits. It's one bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they're on and off. So, right. All right. Loremaster Michael G. Uh, also via the Star Wars email regarding some connective tissue, as David likes to call it. Hey, Laura Hounds, just finished listening to the podcast on the first two episodes of Ahsoka and wanted to share some connections I noticed to the other pro- to other properties. Harry Potter. For the third Harry Potter movie, John Williams composed a song, Double Trouble, oh, that yeah. is also based on the Macbeth text and features the phrase toil and trouble. I, I love that version. It's so good. Uh-huh. Are you familiar, cool. David? No, no, I am not right, a right, right. Harry Potter stan. I don't know what the Potters call themselves, what the fandom calls itself. Potterheads, I think. Potterheads. That's kind of, well, all right. Well, whatever they Anyway, want. next connection, Lord of the Rings. You mentioned that the scene where Ahsoka and Sabine decide to go looking for Ezra is a shot-by-shot recreation of the final scenes of Rebels. Well, that is true. There is one major difference. In Rebels, Ahsoka wears a white cloak, and she has a staff as well. Mm. Um, while in the live action scene, the cloak is gray. Could we be in for Ahsoka the gray to Ahsoka the white transformation? Speculate responsibly. I love this. This is great. This is a great (laughs) theory. I like it. Yeah, she moves right because she is distinctively gray in her cloak in in this. Right. So that would be very cool. If I actually that I I would like that a lot. Yeah. Kind of playing with the, the shots. And who and who's she gonna is she gonna go up to Shin and be like, I will remove the skull influence from you. <laughs> All right. Uh next uh connective tissue rebels. The scene where Sabine cuts her hair with the dagger is a recreation of the scene where Kanan cuts off his cool dad ponytail that David detests so much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm glad the ponytail was cut off. That thing annoyed the Crap I saw it. your response. It made me laugh. <laughs> your response said, I effing hate that ponytail. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I'm glad it got cut off. Anyway, Michael G says, thanks for all the hard work. Great podcast you put out. Greetings from Switzerland. Thank you, Michael G. Thanks for being a lore master. It's always good to hear from you and uh, hope to hear from you some more. All right. Lore master Brian 8063 via email. Uh, this is a little bit deeper one. Uh, hey, John and David, some great comments on the Jedi from the first podcast. Appreciate the gray Jedis you brought up with the whole galaxy changed. People had to cope with the new reality, just like when the empire took over. 
I do want to raise a historical issue. I was interested in how the New Republic used the former Empire workers in its shipyards. And I should note, um, Brian8063 is a like trained historian and works within archival records and stuff like this. So whenever he drops some historical uh, stuff, it's always uh, it's meaty. Just, yes, spot on. Meaty. He continues, I'm reminded of the denazification in Germany after World War II. When the war ended, over 8 million people belonged to the Nazi party and the allies had to figure out what to do with them. The worst of the worst faced the Nuremberg trials. The U.S. took former Nazi party scientists in Operation Paperclip and placed them into our scientific endeavors like the space program and uh, a lot of other things, rocketry and all kinds of stuff. However, many people were in this gray area and you had to run a country. In the end, the Allies let the Germans handle the issue. So, many former Nazi party members returned to German society. However, as the next generation of Germans emerged, the German society still had to deal with the legacy of the Nazi party, which was not easy. It's still ongoing. We saw this de-empirification in Andor as well. This is a great example of how you can expand this Star Wars universe in interesting ways. Ahsoka said the reason that the workers did what they did was greed. This is probably true. They need money to live on. We don't know the stigmatization that people faced getting work if they were former Empire. Thanks, Brian8063. Good question. Good question. I mean, I, the, good email. The end, really yeah, good email overall, but great the, the last one especially... Yeah, the last one especially really got me thinking of this this whole stigmatization of the empire is mm-hmm. there's been a lot of chatter about like who knew what in the empire, right? It, and I think similar conversations happened in the Nazi party, right? Did the regular German people know what was happening in concentration camps? Did, uh, you know, did the regular imperial citizen who was loyal to the empire know about Narkina 5? You right. know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. think so. But um, and there's also I will mention just to to shout it out, there is debate over what, how much the German public knew. But um, the point is, this country needs to return to a functional state in Germany. And then right. this this galaxy needs to return to a functional state here. And you have this ragtag group of planets who didn't want to work together. You remember you had the Saw Gerrera faction mm-hmm. working with the Mon Mothma faction. Not exactly a happy family there, right? Right, right. They right, are right. allies in cause only and not mm-hmm. in methodology. And now you have to take this and figure out how to organize a whole system. I think part of the question is, should you organize the whole system or should you allow planets to govern themselves? Well, that's interesting. That's a really interesting question because in Foundation, which we're covering right now, we're just about what season uh, episode eight, uh, as we're yep. recording this tonight, is dropping. Should we drop the other hint about the other thing that we did? Well, let's do it at the end. Let's All do right. it in our programming notes. All right. We, we um, got an extra Foundation episode coming out, but we'll, that's we'll, right. we'll spoil it later. Um, that what Selden is trying to do is shorten the fall, right? Because, you know, Barbara, as, as Bell, one of the characters, Bell Rios in it, uh, talks about that the barbarism that will arise without some sort of order yep. or, or control is horrific. Yes. And, um, so there's this, yeah, this great, not, you know, not, uh, there's a strong tension between 
order uh, versus lawlessness and and but when order is used to oppress and uh, uh, and um, exploit and divide you know and, and control versus providing structure and stability and safety mm-hmm. versus you know going the other way which is hey everybody's in it for themselves well I, I I guess what I'm saying is not that everyone should be in it for themselves but perhaps planets should be self-governing or right. have smaller collections of planets. Because it does seem like this whole republic versus empire debate kind of misses the point that this is too big of a place to govern. There's and, just too many different kinds of people. Um, you're obviously not effectively governing if the outer rim is still having slavery. And, uh, you know, it's just I, I don't think that this republic functions. I just don't think right, it functions. Right. But, you know, look at the United States, the development of the United States. It was a huge country. And, and until you had forms of, of uh, more rapid communication, the further away sure, things yeah. were, the harder it was to manage and control. And so and, – And, you know, to that point, what holiday just got added to the official calendar was Juneteenth where we right. – It took years to let the last slaves know that they were free. Right. Exactly. And so – there is a challenge of governing these two big places, right? Right. And the, I mean, we're talking about orders of magnitude larger with a galaxy. These are are billions, trillions of people. I don't know if that's effective. I just Mm -hmm. don't know. Right. That's a question for the Star Wars universe. And, and what do you have even this? Like, so what, here's a question. What the heck do we have after the first order is defeated? We don't even know. (laughs) <laughs> it's true, right? We're we're just staring at a blank wall now at the, right. at the end of the – we've reached the end of the internet as they <laughs> used to yeah. be a page out there called the end of the internet. Um, so, yeah, like what do you do when we get to the end of this story? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And I think it's an interesting conversation, um, uh, especially with things like Dune and – Foundation and Star Wars, um, even Wheel of Time to some degree, where we're struggling with these ideas. Is what is you know society as it's evolving and and going through different forms and communication and governance. These are all you know. This is the best of fantasy and science fiction literature that we can enter into these conversations and these debates. Right. So I guess the question is now that we're backing up a little bit is. Can you have a system where you can have rehabilitation of those who want it, but not give an opportunity for infiltration from those who don't want it? Mm-hmm. It's really tough. I don't know if I could do it. Right. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's put a pin in that and uh, and move on. Uh, Alan writes in. Lorehound Alan writes in uh, with the, on the Star Wars email uh, regarding the Knights of the Old Republic references and lore. Uh, jumping right in says, I wanted to give an email and to talk about a couple of little references and lore details. The first two Ahsoka that relate to Knights of the Old Republic Star Wars game, which we've already been talking about. Um, Knights of the Old Republic holds a bit of a strange place within the Star Wars canon. The games were released in the early 2000s and so were part of the Legends canon that were made non-canon when the Disney buyout happened. However, as the setting of Knights of the Old Republic is 4,000 years before the main series, they've always held this odd sort of place where their canon hasn't hugely mattered and they could easily be brought back into the fold on the basis that they're set so far in the past. 
There have been little hints at the games in some of the recent Star Wars stuff, such as the implication of an ancient Jedi Mandalorian war. And then um, Alan goes into a little bit of the uh, spoilers behind the Knights of the Old Republic game. So I'm just going to edit that out and not talk about that to not blow. Because as you pointed out earlier, John, there's a, a great twist in that game. So it's a uh, great twist. So I'm going to I'm going to leave it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, continuing his email, he says the eye of Scion, the big ring ship thingy for sending people to unknown regions of space beyond the regular Star Wars galaxy. Darth Scion is a Sith antagonist in Knights of the Old Republic 2. Oh, that's cool. He's a pretty fun idea in that he's essentially a walking corpse who is held together by the dark side of the force and is functionally immortal. Uh, and I won't say what happens. Uh, he talks about what happens when you beat him in the game. Uh, and it sounds pretty funny. Um, so Alan goes into a lot more deeper lore uh, about the uh, the various games and where the the Darths come from, and uh, I'm going to have to just edit it because it's it's a deep lore thing, but it's a really fascinating stuff. We can space um, it out as we as we get to. Oh yeah, that maybe too. chunk let's it, leave out. it in the outline. Let's let's because okay. uh, I think this might be relevant on the next episode. Alan always, when he wrote, he wrote in about Ted Lasso and some other stuff. And when he drops he a, some good a emails, email, yeah. <laughs> they are they are heavy duty references. So thanks, Alan. Uh, yeah, we're, we'll we'll keep uh, we'll pulling piece out and pieces out and dropping them into the the forward. Lastly, we have Lorehound and friend of the pod E Hoop, who we have not heard from in some time. Good to hear from you, E Hoop. Um, writes in, says, okay, old tie-ins, Corellia was mentioned in the Cantina in episode four, extremely old school, not the local bulk, episode four being the Star Wars original 77 uh, movie, quote, not the local bulk cruisers. I'm talking about the big Corellian ships. So nice, nice pull there. Uh, also got a lot of Return of the Jedi vibes in the opening scene from the incoming shuttles with the old code, right? Yeah, there were that was a, a Jedi shuttle that was being used. So yeah, that all that all works. And uh, it continues the whole bridge with the captain and the calm was actually very Star Trek-y in my humble opinion. I agree. Okay. It felt very like that. Nice. Uh, okay, some uh, things that I predict hope for the series and ongoing. And this is get some interesting stuff here. I really liked uh, his perspective. One, Lady Elspeth's ship does not give me Lynch Dune vibes. It gave me Snoke Throne Room vibes. Ooh. I think by the end, we find some Snoke Night Sister connection. Maybe the Night Sisters have some piece of Arcana witch lore that helps with the force sensitive cloning. That theme brings like together that. a lot of shows and would make Snoke a tiny bit cooler. John? It's hard to make Snoke cooler because <laughs> he was cut down so brutally. And, and his like, strange name, his silly name. There was so much potential with that villain, though. Yeah. He looked but so cool and they just ruined it. <laughs> I really do like this Night Sister connection, though, that maybe that they have something yes, to do with his, yes. his thing. That would be cool. There is some. There is quite a lot of necromancy kind of stuff with the Night Sisters. Yeah, Clone Wars. Very cool. There's literally like they have an army of the dead at a point. Nice. So I would be fine with that. That would be okay. a lot of fun. All right. Number two, uh, he says, if that was an Inquisitor, which I've heard counter speculation, but I think it was. We've got some sort of dark Jedi Sith Inquisitors. And Night Sisters all working together. That's a pretty big list of dark side factions and cults. 
I'm thinking again, this could have something to do with the Snoke First Order. If I had my druthers, we'd turn Elspeth into the real string puller, save her for much later, as I always wanted Loki to be the secret instigator in Thanos, so we're crossing the streams here. She could be spun into a shadowy figure as big as Palpatine. Very cool thought. I like yeah. it. I don't think it's going to happen, but <laughs> that would be fun. I would love to see Elspeth in a, in a much more shadowy puppet master role. Yeah, I, I do like seeing a Night Sister front and center in live action, though. That is a lot of fun for me, too. Yeah. Because they've they've really not been incorporated very much, and they've they've actually made it make sense a little bit why they're not incorporated after the Clone Wars very much. Mm-hmm. But I wish we could see a little bit more of them in live action. That'd be cool. Uh, Okay, lastly, uh, this is a big one for the show. In the original Heir to the Empire trilogy, one of the big plot points was something that made a no-force bubble. Oh, boy, is this going to be a big spoiler? (laughs) Which Thrawn used to capture Luke and prevent him from being controlled by uh, Chaboeth. Sorry, I'm I'm not doing a good job pronouncing it. Chaboeth? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that one. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I predict very strongly that at some point in this series, the force will be nullified, at which point Sabine's lack of force power will become an asset when Shin Hattie loses her power while Sabine stays full strength. That's an interesting twist. And I'm, here's your voucher. E. Yeah. Ed. I don't know why I'm calling you E. Um, your internet point voucher right now. Yeah, I'll give it yeah. to you now, and you can redeem it if that comes true. It's it's redeemable for cereal. But but <laughs> if it doesn't come true, cereal. you get store brand cereal, and you want right, right. You get top shelf or bottom shelf. You get the little <laughs> off brand bag of the like. Oh, it's the it's this store's brand. <laughs> you get honey circles. <laughs> so yes, the circles. That's perfect. Uh, he signs off. Very stoked for Ahsoka thus far. Keep bringing it, Ihu. Thank you, Ed. Always good to hear from you. It's been a while. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, some great points here. I really like all of these. And so, yeah, I want some Night Sister, uh, Meshugana. I want some, yeah, dark side culty stuff going down. And yeah, it'll be fun to see if how Sabine's lack of force power is able to uh, win the day. Yeah, I, I think that would be a really cool twist. I think that would be a great way to bring in this whole idea of, well, I am one with the force and the force is with me. Right. Well, now we don't have it. Um, but David, yes, we sir. have one more person to hear from. We do, very importantly. And I did preload her audio. Excellent. So, Good job. We are ready to hear from Alicia, who's going to talk a little bit about Maroc. Here we go. Hi, guys. Alicia here. Um, episode three was definitely my favorite yet. I love the fight scene with the Purgle, especially. Um, next to the whole distant galaxy thing. The other thing people can't stop talking about is who is Mark, the Inquisitor-like character. I'm personally 50-50 on whether it's an existing character or just someone new, but just for funsies, let's imagine it's someone we know. And there's a few popular suggestions thrown out there. Um, Ezra, Barris, and Starkiller are favorites. Barris Offi being the Padawan who was once Ahsoka's friend, but became a secret agent for the dark side and betrayed her, leading to Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order. This is personally my favorite theory because it feels the most poetic to me. Ahsoka facing again her friend turned Sith like she did with Anakin in Rebels. Um, We know the stuntman Paul Darnell inside the suit is a man, but that doesn't really mean anything about the gender of the character they reveal. 
Another favorite theory that people have is that it's Starkiller, a really popular character named Galen Marek from the video game Force Unleashed. Obviously, the name's kind of similar. I don't know, too similar to On the Nose. Everyone was really upset about losing this character in canon when that changeover happened from Legends to the new continuity. And people have been waiting for him to show back up ever since. And the actor who played him, Sam Witwer, he uh, did do voice work for this series for all three episodes. And we don't know for what character. Now, I would love for it to be Starkiller, just knowing how many people that would make happy. And it would, it would be cool. But it's worth noting that Sam Witwer is a prolific Star Wars voice actor, uh, most famously playing Maul. So yep. even if he is voicing that character, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, and yeah, no, Maul is dead by this point in the timeline, so it's not him. But then again, uh, when has a little on-screen death ever stopped Maul? <laughs> uh, it's, it's not the craziest idea, uh, since he is related to the Night Sisters, who are, amongst other things, necromancers. Um, though Ooh. he might not look so pretty when the mask comes off. I, I still like that theory, theory, though, better than the Ezra theory. I get why people think it would be an interesting choice to be, you know, the character they spend the whole show looking for, that it was right in front of, he was right in front of them the whole time. Um, but the writers would have to do a lot of work to make it make sense to me. Like, if yep. they got Ezra back from the other galaxy, why didn't they know where Thrawn is? And I, I just think it would be really unsatisfying to not see whatever turmoil he'd be going through attacking his friends uh, these past episodes. Yeah, and also, yeah, worth noting, the name Ezra means helper or protector, and Filoni pays a lot of attention to names. But on the other hand, on the significance of names, the name this character uses, Marok, it kind of supports the theory, actually, because Marok seems to be a reference to Arthurian legend, where oh. a good-hearted knight by that name was turned into a werewolf by his wicked wife, who learned her witchcraft from Arthur's sister, Morgan Le Fay. And the pairing of Marok and um, Morgan together in Ahsoka. And it makes me think uh, Filoni wants us to be thinking about this legend, especially since this is the second time he's using this name. Um, there's a character in Clone Wars who had a pet wolf named Marok. Yes, another wolf, because Filoni loves wolves. Me too, Dave. Me too. Um, so, yeah, is Ezra the Valiant Knight corrupted by Morgan's witchcraft turned feral? Or is that just too obscure a myth and it's a coincidence? Um, then again, it, this could just be nobody that we know, but instead maybe establishing new lore, like the history of the Knights of Ren, uh, the force cult that teamed up with Palps by the time of the sequel trilogy and gave Kylo Ren his name. Uh, David and John, I'm curious, which theory is your favorite? Whew, that was a, a good voicemail. Yeah. Thanks, Alicia. That is, and you, I think you would do Marilyn proud with your, um, your Arthurian connectivity there. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I'm a Barris guy. I would love it to be Barris. I think that would be very satisfying. And I'm with Alicia on this concern that even if you have this turning Ezra to the dark th dark side through witchcraft, I don't know how you explain him being there and not Thrawn. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like there's any satisfying answer to that. Right. Yeah, I think I have to be Barris in the Barris camp as well uh, until uh, we've got more information. We have very little information at this stage. So um, I, I like that idea um, until we have more information. Cool. Well, yeah, yeah. thanks. Thanks, Alicia. That's uh, it's always great to hear from you. Always great to include you. I know uh, you and I, I'm speaking to Alicia while she's not here, but she, <laughs> Alicia and I, <laughs> Alicia and I had a great conversation for the Wheel of Time episode three. We talked for almost an hour on book spoilers. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I've been seeing Alicia a lot this week. 
Cool. Well, John, I think that's it for episode three for Ahsoka. Um, what yes. should we talk about now? Let's should- talk about our future coverage okay. of all things nerdy, as well as our affiliates. Let's start with the affiliates. Okay. So Properly Howard Movie Reviews just released a... Uh, so Anthony and Steve, let me back up a little bit. Anthony and Steve... Um, Anthony's a academic, Steve is a stand-up comic. They review movies and other pop talk about other pop culture nonsense. Their season of properly Howard movie reviews this year is about remakes. They've already done White Men Can't Jump, Dune Part One, which we were on. Robocop was just out. That was hilarious. And Wolfman, uh, the 2010 remake is coming up uh on September the 4th. Then we've got The Wicker Man, The Departed, uh, Cape Fear, The Thing, and Sorcerer. And if you like pop culture nonsense, these are great podcasts. They're fun. They're lighthearted. But they actually get into some really interesting conversations about remakes. You don't even have to see the movies to watch to listen to these uh, podcasts. They're a lot of fun. So, Yeah. I'm always laughing when I'm listening to them. I think... Yeah. Uh, you know, hearing the pitch for Cocaine Bear 2 was something I didn't expect <laughs> to hear on an episode about RoboCop, but it was it was a lot of fun. It was hilarious. It was so good. Uh, Alicia is recalibrating for her Dune 360. She was doing a series about Dune and who Frank Herbert was and how the books were written and about the um, uh, there's some documentaries and there's some video games and all kinds of stuff. But um, Dune 2 has been pushed back into 2024. Uh, I think a crass move by the uh, movie studios, but that's another story. We won't get into it. Um, anyway, she's recalibrating. And as far as I know, the Patreon Silo Book Club is also continuing. So check her out at patreon.com slash Wool shift dust if you're into the silo books. John, David, what do we have going on? So much and uh, even more now because Foundation is coming to a close, yet we have a bonus episode already coming this weekend. We sat down with showrunner David S. Goyer, who you might Yay! recognize from, like I said, showrunner Foundation, writer in the, the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, he he's done quite a lot around Hollywood, so it's it was very exciting to talk to him. He was a super nice guy. Super nice. It was it, yeah, it was really it was a pleasure to speak to him, like even just on a human being level. Yeah, but he, yeah. he was really fascinating on all his answers. He was really forthright about his process, and it was it was a really rewarding interview. So that'll be out sometime this weekend. And um, and our coverage of Foundation will be out by the time this comes out for sure. Right. Of the episode, yep. Great. And then we've got uh, Wheel of Time. you got a lot to say about um, Wheel of Time. Okay, so we have about six hours of Wheel of Time dropping (laughs) uh, on Friday, September 1st, um, because they did a triple drop, and they gave us screeners, which is great, and we're very grateful for that, but it did inspire us to go a little hard and record three full-length podcasts on the first three episodes. So... If you binge the episodes and you forget what happened in episode one by the time you finish, you can go back and listen to our podcast and we'll remind you. That's right. A lot of fun stuff. Uh, of course, we'll, do, we'll be doing Ahsoka every week. Lorehound's Play is coming out with a Skyrim episode now that uh, Starfield is out. So we'll be reflecting on the past of Bethesda and maybe maybe Brandon and I will talk a little bit about Starfield if we're both playing it. I got to talk to him about that. 
Sounds good. Okay. Um, our Patreon subscribers, we always like to give a shout out to our lore masters who help uh, really keep things moving here. And just to say thank you to all our, our Patreon uh, subscribers. Um, check us out, patreon.com slash the lorehounds. Today, we even had our first free trial sign up. Today. Oh, yeah. That you can do that now. Cool. Yeah, you can do a seven-day free trial. It's a Patreon feature that we turned on. We also have a feature to do annual billing. If that works for you, you can switch to an annual subscription. Um, nonetheless, we'll always like to give a shout-out to our lore masters, our top-tier subscribers, Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H., Michael G., Michelle E., David W., Brian P., Nick W., SC, Peter O.H., Bettina W., Adam S., Nancy M., Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Deadeye, Jedi, Bob, Nathan T, and newest lore master, Alex V. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, everyone. This list is just an incredible list of ongoing support, and we are forever grateful to all of you. We are. Can I just say I um I love the idea that somebody signed up for a free trial on Thursday and on Friday they will wake up to three brand new podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun. Very That'll cool. be fun. All right, John. Well, uh, fingers crossed. Ahsoka Four will be as uh, less polarizing and more exciting, and we'll uh, in you know see us into some fun Jedi fight scene, labor sword action, force wielding nonsense. That was a lot of words. <laughs> it was. Um, We're at the end of the podcast. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. All right. See you next cool. week. Thanks. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. And connect with us on Twitter at thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening.